0: Here comes O'Bannon, in and out, down the lane, and the foul. Rebounded inside, O'Bannon, who banks it in. Here's O'Bannon, he's been sensational, to the bucket, a oh, time, at 77.
1: Larry O'Bannon, the senior, the last time he will ever play on this court at Freedom Hall, and he. Welcome in, guys, to another episode of The Player's Perspective Uncensored with Larry O'Bannon. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and being locked in with us here on the podcast. Uh, Just taking a little bit of time out of your day to... Hear us out. Never take that for granted. Really, really appreciate you guys for tuning in. Now, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. Our handle is The PPU Podcast. And on Instagram, The Player's Perspective Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on our YouTube channel, The Player's Perspective Uncensored Podcast. Rate us, leave reviews. Great way for you guys to see how we interact with our guests. And and give us your feedback. We love your feedback. That's a Way for us to see how we're doing and a way for us to continue to grow as a podcast. Got a great episode lined up for you guys today. Our guest for this episode is University of Memphis assistant basketball coach Cody Topper. Now, CT is an upcoming star in the coaching world, previously coached in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns before before joining Penny Hardaway's staff at the University of Memphis. Going to talk to him about working with some of the NBA greats like Devin Booker, Working with Coach Penny Hardaway on the staff at the University of Memphis, uh, evaluating talent and what they're looking for in players, and how the new NCAA transfer rule will affect high school recruiting uh, for seniors. Now, I really want to do this podcast because there's a lot of young men in this unprecedented time that are sort of lost and and not really sure what to do going forward with, with as far as choosing colleges or or what they should do. And so I really felt like I wanted to get a college coach on here that could really sort of give them some guidance and advice on what to do. Now for our bourbon selection of the day, we're going into our sample box again. We're gonna try the Four Gate Straight Bourbon, batch number three, comes from the Four Gate Whiskey Company, comes in at 119.4 proof or a little below 60% alcohol volume age nine years and nine months it's an allocated bourbon it's got a nice price tag to it the msrp is around 200 bucks but i can't wait to let you guys know about it but with that being said i'm eager for you guys to hear this podcast with ct so let's go ahead and bring him into the podcast (laughs) ct man welcome to the podcast appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day brother come through and join the podcast as bless us with your presence man no
0: man, I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm excited any chance I get to chop it up with you, man. I'm I'm on board. So let's get
1: right to it. Definitely, definitely. But before before we jump in, the question that we always ask our guests because we always talk about bourbon on our podcast as well. Do have you have you tried bourbon or have you tried any bourbons?
0: I have tried bourbon. Um, I'm a wine guy myself. I'm, okay. a, I'm a nice Pinot guy. I'm a Willamette Valley, Oregon Pinots. That's my that's my thing, but. I won't shy away from a bourbon, I'll say that, but I'm also not running right towards it, so I don't mean to disappoint anybody out there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah. (laughs)
1: Got you, got you. Now, you're an assistant coach at the University of Memphis, a historic program. But before you got there, at what point did you know that you wanted to be a basketball coach?
0: You know, it's funny. um, (laughs) During my playing career, actually, um, I started studying to become a financial advisor, basically. Um, I got uh, sponsored by uh, a finance company in, in, in Phoenix, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, went through, got my securities licenses, things like that. And um, so, you know, I'm sitting there one summer trying to figure out, hey, what's next? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the stockbroker type deal. And I'm like, hmm, this just doesn't hit like basketball practice. You know what I mean? Right. So I continued playing for another. This was about 2009. I continued playing for about two or three more years. Um, but really at that point I realized that, you know, basketball was was kind of like my thing, right? It was just – it was in my blood. It was in my veins. I wasn't going to be able to get it out, and so I knew at that point. And my wife, uh, Brittany, who had – you know, she played soccer at Arizona State, and uh, she played soccer internationally, um, you know, and she actually played for, uh, you know, uh, Team USA right at the U19 World Cups. She's like, man, you should be a coach. She's telling me that, and, and I'm like, all right, all right. So she kind of gassed me up on it and then we jumped right in and, and you know, lucky for me, here we are.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Now, before, before your stop at the University of Memphis, you were an assistant coach in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns. And so you got to do a lot of hands-on work and behind the work training with Devin Booker. For, like, the young people listening, everybody sees the performances, the 70-point performance that he puts on, the bright lights. But talk about some of the work ethic and the training that he puts on behind the scenes that people don't see.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing about Book that really makes him special is the fact that he can pick up on things and learn and adopt new concepts very quickly. Uh, And that also actually goes back to his upbringing, right, with his father, Melvin, who was an outstanding player in Missouri and a tremendous player overseas. Um, He was kind of raised to be a worker. And so it's not a coincidence that he loves to work, which he does actually work with Book uh, during the pre-draft process as well. But uh, not only does he work, he's diligent in getting it right, you know. And it's one of those things where you ask him, like, how many reps are we going to do of something? And his answer is going to be until – It's like, until what? You know, it's like, until we get it, until we get it, we're going to stay at it till we get it. And the beautiful thing about him is it doesn't take long for him to take something that maybe he's never done before. And now all of a sudden do it at a high level. And that's really to me what separates the great ones. Right. Um, So he's a guy who, you know, he's, he's all business when he gets in the building uh, respects everyone from the janitors to, you know, the people in, in the parking garage, you know, to the people in the equipment room, right. Everybody. And, uh, then when he gets on the floor, he gets right to business. And he really takes pride in what he does. But at the end of the day, ultimately, he loves the game of basketball. And this is a guy who watches basketball. Um, you know, not a lot of guys, you'd think that they, that they do watch, but it, that's not necessarily true, right? He watches the game. He studies the game. Um, you know, if we're not playing, if we weren't playing a game that night, he would be he would literally be locked into whatever game was on and, and following it. And then he also, one thing that I thought was very um, mature of him what he likes to do is he, he wants to study others to improve his game. And so that's where I kind of got started on making, you know, these player development edits based on other players. And so one thing that we tried to do was um, help him put in more pick and roll, pull three-point shots into his game rather than shooting the deep mid-range in the pick and roll because a lot of the big men are, are back. They're not the level of the screen. Uh, we really watched a lot of Damian Lillard, right? So studying other guys to figure out what he could put in his game. Um, and I think that that might be one of the more uh, prouder moments in terms of my relationship with him is his desire to get better was just so extreme that it overcame any insecurity or anything like that about, well, why I'm better than this guy or what, you know, you think that like the top, man, I'm better than him. I, you know, I'm, I'm worried about Dame. I want his level, you know, but it's really not like that with him. He's a guy who wants to study and that's something I have a tremendous amount of respect for.
1: Quick quick backstory on uh his dad, Melvin Booker. So Melvin was playing like in his final years at Kimke, and I was oh, playing right. in Italy. And so we was playing them in a preseason game. And so I came out, I was pretty hot in the beginning. And so Melvin Booker was talking like, yeah, you gotta make him drive, make him drive, make him drive. And so I'm not really a trash talker. And so hearing him saying that, I kind of got slightly offended, like. OG, I could score at any level, it don't make no difference. And so me and OG just kind of talking a little bit of trash back and forth. He said, all right, we're going to see in that fourth quarter, young fella. We're going to see in that fourth quarter. Mind you, Melvin was like 35 at the time out here, knee brace, running the team. I'm like in my second year, just playing at one speed, just trying to score. And so make a long story short, man, I had like 25 going into like the fourth quarter, man. And they switched and started trapping me. And next thing I know, Melvin just started necking down big shots. Next thing I know, <laughs> we lose the lead, they win the game. He said, I told you, young fella, we're going to see about that in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so that's unbelievable. Great- that about sounds me. about cool right. Dude. It
0: sounds like Melvin, no doubt.
1: <laughs> cool dude, man. But going from the NBA to the collegiate level now, what's been some of the adjustments that you had to make in your coaching style, if any?
0: Yeah, I mean, the big thing is, you know, at the NBA level with, you know, the, some of the best players in the world, obviously, coaching them is more of a collaboration, right? So it's uh, it, it's a working relationship that is kind of like this, right, where it's eye to eye, where, you know, everybody's opinion, you know, actually means something that helps the whole. When you come to the college level, um, there's so much new, right, um, and that jump from high school to college is really significant regardless of how talented you are Right, and uh, the guys who aspire to get to the level above that right will come in and just think it's going to happen so I think that the main adjustment is understanding your audience and, and really viewing coaching as being a platform to teach because you have to teach the smallest nuances of everything you do because for the majority of these guys it'll be the first time that they've seen something of that nature or something that deep, right? And you and I know from a micro skills perspective, maybe it's a little bit of footwork. Maybe your, your, your foot is slightly higher on the left side and the right side on these different, you know, pick and roll coverages or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, you're getting rejected in pick and roll coverage if you're the guard, or you're not sending them to the screen, you know, things like that. And so um, to me, that was probably the main adjustment going into year two here. Uh, you know, lucky for us, we have everybody pretty much back for the most part with the addition of uh, two transfers who are older and the addition of Musa Cisse. And so for us, um, you know, that kind of – we're not quite on step one anymore right now. That doesn't mean we can't forget about the fundamentals, but we are starting to progress. And that's really where we need to mature because when you look at our team last year, really the thing that prevented us uh, from winning a lot of games was the margin of victory for our opponents in the games we lost was actually four points. So that's two-possession game. We were an average free-throw shooting team. We were an average defensive rebounding team. And we were a high-turnover team, right? So what we need to do is we need to reduce turnovers, obviously make foul shots. But when you get stops, you've got to clean up the glass and give only one shot to the opponent. Right. And I think those are things that we can control. And then if everything else remains equal, I would anticipate that we're going to be able to be pretty successful.
1: Now, Penny Hardaway came back to his alma mater, University of Memphis. He's a basketball icon and he's really an icon in Memphis where he played. It was Memphis State then. But what's it been like being on his staff? Last guy, last year you guys had Mike Miller. Mike Miller uh stepped down this year. But what's it been like to be on his coaching staff with him being such a big icon in Memphis? And how was his coaching style? Yeah, I mean, it's
0: yeah, I mean, it was a surreal moment when I got a phone call from him because I didn't know him, asked if I wanted to if I'd be interested in a spot on his staff. You know, you're kind of like, wait, this is Penny who? Right, right.
1: right. Somebody prank like, you? Come on, man. Like,
0: it's a Prank <laughs> call. Like, what are we talking about here, man? What are we doing? And uh, you know, so I mean, that was that was a that was a crazy moment, right? I, obviously, having I mean, you know, you you and me being raised in that era when we got to watch right. up close, you know, um, his true greatness. But uh, for me, what's awesome about him is just who he is as a person. He's a great guy. He's just a good person. He's good to everybody he comes into contact with. He treats people with respect, with dignity. Um, You know, he doesn't he does in no way, shape or form exudes any type of I'm Penny Hardaway. I, you know, I'm better than anyone. No, that's not him. Right. So he's super grounded, which is to me very unique. Right. Um, The other thing that I love about his coaching style is that he's really locked in on the development aspect, which is also why we vibe because, you know, development, that's right on my alley. Um, We're not we're not going to sacrifice development to chase wins. Right. We are going to chase development. Uh, with an understanding that if we buy into that process, we feel the wins will come, right? And so that's a different mentality than just chase wins at all costs. And so to me, that's big. Um, and I think that that's really what he's trying to make the cornerstone of this program. And and for our, us to take the next step, you know, hopefully we're going to see that development uh, shape into encore performance from the guys that we have returning from the youngest team in the country last year. Uh, in terms of his coaching style, too, the best part about it is that because he buys into his development, right? He really allows freedom for our guys, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, right? We teach a lot out of concepts, not plays. Uh, Mm -hmm. Spacing concepts are just as big with us as anything. And as long as we're making quick decisions and sharing the ball, um, you know, he's going to be satisfied with that. On the defensive side, that's where he really holds guys accountable, which is really funny when you think about it because you think about Penny Hardaway, you think about the no-look passes, you think about, (laughs) you know, know, the triple doubles and all that type of stuff. But last year, our team, we had the team in the country, We were number one in the country in opponent field goal percentage defense. So we held opponents to 36.1% shooting, which is remarkable. We were number one in the country at defending the rim. We were number three in the country defending the three-point line. And that's really what we hung our hats on. And to me, uh, to see him kind of really demand that effort, that consecutive effort from our guys and the preciseness in our rotations and, uh, you know, kind of that whole – uh, defend the paint at all cost mentality. I think that's that's been been really cool to see because um, not everybody can say that that they that they're able to coach defense at an elite level, right? And I think that uh, for him, I know he's hanging his hat on that side of the floor. And uh, again, if we continue to develop the guys that the way we feel we can, uh, offense you know will be no problem.
1: Nice, nice. Now being at an elite university and getting to where you guys want to be competing for a national championship. When you're out recruiting, how do you evaluate talent? And what are some of the things that you're looking for?
0: Yeah, so it's it's interesting because during the recruiting process last year, um, you know, it was my first kind of go around, right? So I've mm-hmm. scouted the G League. I've scouted, you know, college for some NBA draft stuff with the Rockets and with the Suns. Um, but I haven't really – I haven't scouted high school grassroots, right, Right. And so, um, you know, for me coming in, right, I was trying to get my bearings on all this stuff, but what it came down to was really the same recipe, at, at those other levels. Right. So, um, number one, right. You've got your physical profile, right. Where does that fit in within your system or what you're trying to do? Right. So that's obviously easy to identify, right. Size, length, things of that nature, uh, ability to jump, things like that, um, outside of your your physical profile, right? You've got to try to identify um, upside, right? Is this someone who is uh, a finished product or is there room for growth? And what makes you think there is room for growth, right? Now, sometimes the physical tools are the things that are going to allow you to say, hey, now I think there's room for growth here because of the physical profile there. Um, But to me, like, that's kind of the foundation. Um, And then you've got the skill profile, right? Skill profile being... You know, what, what does this guy do good? What does he do well on the floor, right? Is he a shooter? He not, if he is a shooter, you know, what makes him an excellent shooter, right? Can he attack closeouts, right? If he's a shooter, can he not only just shoot off the catch, can he shoot off the move, can he shoot off the bounce, things like that, right? If he's a big man, um, you know, how are his hands, hands in the roll? Does he have a multiple pick and roll mentality on a possession, right? Or is he kind of a one and done guy? Does he roll every time, even if he hasn't gotten the ball the last three, four five times? right? Is he going to be someone who's engaged on all possessions uh, regardless of, you know, what's going on in terms of his touches, right? Mm-hmm. So when we look at that, then you all, I mean, I, you know, you've got a playmaker type, right? Uh, is he getting other guys involved, feed others before he feeds himself, sees the floor, read the three levels of the pick and roll. So that's kind of like your skill, your skill profile in general, because when you're putting together a team, right, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Overlapping skill sets aren't necessarily going to help you out, right? So you don't want to have three, four, five guys that are the exact same profile. The contrast in profiles actually is what leads to the to, to beautiful basketball, right? We got a catch and shoot guy on the wing, and we've got a, a driver on the wing. Not to say these guys can't. Not to say the catch and shoot guy can't drive. Not to say that the driver can't shoot. But whatever their particular strength is, well, now we want to kick it up, and we got an attacker, and we got a floor spacer, right? right. Or on a second side drive, right? Now we're coming downhill. We're trying to stampede the rim, and you know. If I've got a shooter there, maybe they help, boom, strong side pass, right? Everybody says don't help, strong side corner happens, happens way too often. It's boom, things. easy pass, easy shot. And now once he knocks that shot down, guess what? That next time down the floor, that defender is going to think twice before he comes out of that gap, and now we've got a clear path to the rim. So that that kind of dynamic, I think, is huge, right? If you've got right. scorers, right, in positions, quote, unquote, two through five, right, you're going to want a distributor at the one, right? Right. But then if you've got guys who have playmaking abilities for others, maybe at position two, three, whatever, you've got some combo action, now you can have a little bit of scoring out of the one. So you've got to figure out what type of roster you want. And then the last pro- part of the profile is the IQ profile, right? With the IQ profile, that also includes the EQ, right? Like your emotional intelligence, right? Your awareness of yourself, right? What do you do after a negative play? So the, the game of basketball is an art, not a science, right? You're almost like a painter with a paintbrush. It ain't always going to be – a masterpiece, right. right? But at the end of the day, you've got to make sure that you're a two-way runner. Things you can control. Always bringing energy. How do you react to bad calls, right? Does a bad call take you out of your game? How do you react to not getting the ball being missed when you're open, right? So the emotional intelligence element is huge because you must have self-awareness on the floor, and then the actual encore basketball IQ is the last element. Are you predetermining what you're going to do because physically you're that much better than everyone around you? Right. Or are you actually reading the defense to make the correct decision? Right. And so I think those are those are all the different things that that I started looking at. And, and you know, stars and rankings, um, you know, there's some really great guys out there that, that evaluate the, the grassroots level. Right. And so that's a roadmap, but that's not a finite thing. You know, I tell everybody I coached six McDonald's All-Americans in the G League. I also coached Anthony Bennett, former number one overall pick in the G League. Right, and so the important factor of that is, man, nobody, you, you can't ever view yourself as a finished product because satisfaction leads to failure, right? right? So we've got to try to identify, man, who's going to grow, and who's going to grow at a high rate, and I think that it, it's not a science, but again, you know, for me, you know, we're not we're not recruiting based off rankings, we're not recruiting based off stars, right? Even though we do have an excellent class right now, and we had obviously an excellent class two years ago, the number one class, but. Um, We're recruiting based upon fit.
1: Nice. Now, with the new rule coming in, I know obviously you guys are a young team, but the new rule where the winter sports are going to be granted another year, and now you have the transfer rule to where kids can transfer from school to school and be eligible immediately. Does that affect your recruiting in any shape or fashion or the way that you come? I mean, I –
0: yeah, I mean, I don't think it affects the way we coach or the way we recruit, right? We're still going to recruit fit regardless of, of of where that fit comes from because we do have two transfers on this roster now. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, if I'm a younger kid, if I'm a class of 2022, things like that, right, if you don't look at maybe accelerating your timeline, right, like you might get left behind. Because if you think about it, guys coming back for another year, you know, things of that nature, Right. You know, that's just you think about the log jams that can be created because of that. Right. It's kind of like a bottleneck situation. Instead of right. this group of guys moving on. Right. Now, all of a sudden they're they're staying. So but the amount of people that are coming in isn't changing. Right. right? And so now, um, you know, obviously you're going to have opportunities to fill your roster with probably transfers and things like that. But in the same sense, if I'm a youngster on the high school side, right, class of 22, most likely, you know, things like that, I'm probably thinking about moving up my timeline. And 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 thinking about really hard where where I want to go and where I want to be because perhaps if I do commit, you know, they'll uh, the coach will, will will honor that commitment right to me, and uh, and I'll be able to come in there and they won't be as we won't be as I guess maybe eager to to
1: recruit elsewhere. Right. Nice. Now I went to the University of Louisville. Memphis and Louisville have a historic rivalry. Has there been any talks about possibly renewing that uh, matchup between those two schools?
0: You know, I'm not really kind of involved in that side of things. I mean, I know that I would love to to see that myself. And one thing I do know about Penny is Penny wants to play the best. Like, there is no doubt about it. So, you know, I mean, if we can make that happen, I think that would be fantastic um, because it's nothing but great for the college game, nothing but great for the game of basketball, great for the fans, uh, really great for all parties, right? So I think that would be an unbelievable uh, matchup and an unbelievable opportunity to kind of get that re- re-upped. So, um, you know, if I find an opportunity to sprinkle that in, I will.
1: <laughs> For sure. Uh, last question before I let you get out of here, Coach. Now, you guys have an immense amount of talent. I believe you guys had six McDonald's All-Americans on your team last year, six or seven. And how do you get these guys to buy in? Because a lot of these guys come in and they're so used to being the man. They've always been the best at wherever they played. And now they're coming into a situation where possibly they're thinking about they're going to be the man on this team, but there's six, seven other guys that's just as good, if not better and stronger. So how do you get these guys to buy in to one team concept to do what's best for the team? Because sometimes that's hard for young guys that really have it. I don't want to say their own personal agenda, but just really have – their aspirations are where they want to get to, so they sort of focus on themselves a little more. So how do you get those guys to buy in?
0: So, you know, it's, it's funny, right? The, the running joke uh, was uh, what, what does the G League and prison have in common, right? And the answer is that everybody wants out, right? So <laughs> coaching at that level was a great experience for me to understand kind of the ins and outs of the desperation that comes with Um, being on a talented team, right? Because there's a lot of talent at those those levels. And everybody wants to get to the NBA, but we know not everybody's going to. Um, What we try to do here is we try to help these guys identify, right, where their fit's going to be at that next level, right, and set that expectation through role delegation. Because what you want to be at the next level is round peg, round hole, right? There's going to be a job description for everybody, whatever it's three and D, you know, backup point guard, right. Might be have to be a defensive minded guy might have to be a distributor, right. You might have to be a roller rebounder, never touch the ball, you know, things of these nature, uh, like it's round peg, round hole. If you try to be a square peg, but the job description is round hole, right. They're not going to give you a chance to try to figure out if we can make that work. No, that's, that's a wrap you're on, you know, learn to speak Chinese is what I always tell guys. And so for our guys right here, we want them to kind of understand that. Right. And we want to put out there on the, t- all our cards on the table, right? Like this is where you fit. This is how you'll fit. So we do that through a couple of different things. Number one is obviously just like the verbal element of that, like letting them know um, where we see their, their role to be, why that for them filling that role is going to be beneficial, not only to the team, but to themselves. Right. And then obviously they have to buy into wanting to be an all-star in that role. That's, you know, some guys do that. Some guys don't. Um and, and, and the second element there is we, we use NBA comps, right, as well, right? And the reason we do that, and no, the answer is we're not comping anybody with LeBron or Kawhi or, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But the reason why we do that, and, I, and this is the way I, I've done this for years now, is I always try to reverse engineer a guy's career. And I start with asking questions, right? Like, so questions will be along the lines of, you know, what NBA players remind you of you, not who you're fans of, he'd be surprised how many dudes talk about guys with one name. You know what I mean? If those guys go by one name, chances (laughs) are it ain't you, my brother. You know what I mean? Right. And so I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but Eric Gordon's a pretty damn good life himself. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like, well, but, you know, to rebound and and block shots, that job description will pay you $50 million. You know what I mean? Plus. Right. Right. To make threes and just sprint to the corner and play solid defense. That's a $50 million job. I always tell everybody, man, you wanna buy your mama house, make a corner three at a 45% clip. That's how you buy your mama house. Yes, everybody sir. tries to overthink these things and they try to overdo. And what they don't realize is that at the end of the day, they're not gonna get what they want out of that. So our guys have been pretty receptive. Not to say it's always easy or 100% of the time it works. That's not how, that's not true. But if you go up to any of our guys right now and say around peg, their response is gonna be round hole. And that's kind of like our safety net to get them back on track. Because I tell everybody, we want your mentality, right, to be like a Ferrari, right, like a car. Because a Ferrari has great speed, great performance, right? And when a car or a Ferrari uh, starts veering off the road, it's got a great response to get back on the road, right? So you're going to veer at times. You're going to, eh, we got to get back on the road. Right. However, if your mind and your mentality is like a train, right, when the train gets off the tracks, <laughs> it's going to take a it's going to take a lot to get a train back on tracks, right. right? So we want to have that high performance speed, high performance mindset. We also want to have that response to be able to get it back, understand when we need to slow it down. And that's something that's an ongoing process for really a lot of guys. And it's never really a completed process, right? It's just a, it's a constantly evolving process.
1: Great analysis, my man. Great analysis, brother. But, TT, man, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day, man, to come through and bless the podcast. Brother, know you're a busy man, man. know the season started. You guys got practice. But really appreciate you coming on and blessing the podcast. And best of luck to you guys, man. I'm definitely going to be watching, man. And uh, if you guys come up to this Atlanta way, I'm definitely going to come check out a practice, man. I'll check out a game if you guys make it up this way anytime soon. Yeah, we've got right now. So we do have, like,
0: I think Auburn uh, over at uh, where the Hawks play.
1: So nice. uh,
0: I'm hopeful that that's yeah, hopefully that's that's going to be uh, that'll be a great a great matchup right there. So that should be fun. So we'll yeah. we'll link up for sure.
1: Really appreciate Coach Topper for coming on the podcast. Not only is he a great friend of mine, but he's just a great overall guy, a great coach that knows his stuff. And it's good to hear him talk about where the current is taking college basketball and how it's affecting high school seniors. I think it was great for him to give some guidance for guys in the class of 21 and 22 that are looking forward to trying to get a scholarship and going to school and giving them advice on what they should do on sort of moving up their schedule ahead of things because we're in an unprecedented time. There's limited exposure because college coaches are not able to get out and recruit and evaluate talent because of COVID. So uh, just good to hear him speak from a college perspective on what college coaches are looking for and what they think that high school seniors and upcoming juniors uh, should be doing with their uh, college decisions. And now for our final review of our bourbon selection of the day for this episode, which came out of our sample box. Four Gates Straight Bourbon Batch 3. And to start off our review, we always start off with nosing the bourbon and it comes off with a great smell from the staff barrels that it was aged in. The vanilla and wood aromas are really nice and there was some floral scents in there with it as well. Now to the sip it had a great amount of energy, has a really good texture to it, the oil bodies were really present in it, you can feel them when you're moving your tongue around. Uh, flavor-wise, has some spice in there that announced itself early, but the wood and vanilla flavors were present with it as well was really smooth in transition. Not much heat, leaves a nice coating on the roof of the mouth, which goes back to the old bodies that it has present in it. It really helps the aftertaste to linger around for a while. And with the aftertaste, you get flavors of the burnt sugars, the vanillas, and the wood, and it gives it a nice, well-rounded finish. A great bourbon, and definitely worth a glass if you're out and wanna try it before possibly buying it because it does have a pretty nice price tag, but I definitely recommend you trying it if you're out and you're seeing it on a menu someplace. Definitely treat yourself to a glass. It's definitely one that I would highly recommend. And also, I'm becoming a fan of bourbons that I stored in stave barrels. It sort of gives it a unique flavor that I find myself liking. And so uh, what I'm out looking and trying and recommending bourbons i'm definitely going to start taking note to that as well now that's our review for the day be sure to go subscribe rate leave us reviews we love you guys feedback that'll do it for this episode i'll see you guys next week thanks for tuning in and that is the player's perspective